Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 320 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. You know, the first the first day of March Madness proves to me why it's so popular. You know, we 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 football is king in in, in football is king in, in in the United States. Uh of course we know how big the Super Bowl is. We know how big NFL games on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays now. We know how big they are. But year after year after year, March Madness is is pretty much the crescendo or pretty much gets the most views. Now, yes, of course, I'm not, I know the Super Bowl still is the Super Bowl. But day one of March Madness really showed, showed itself as to why it's so popular. You see, you don't go... Nobody wants to see. How do I how do I say this in the best way? Uh, people love upsets. People love Cinderella stories. People love the underdog. You can say you don't, but they do. People think about it like this. One of the most the one of the least viewed Marsh Madnesses in the in recent memory was when Villanova, that was I think the number one overall seed, they just blew through the player. They just blew through the tournament like dogging people. That's when they had Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, they had Malik uh, Mikael Bridges. They they just started blowing through people. Another one of the 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 lesser. Marsh Madness that I remember as far as viewing wise was when Virginia won. They had Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. They were just destroying people. I think they played Texas Tech in the in the national championship and Jarrett Culliver or whatever and just destroyed them. People come to see underdogs. People want the, the they people want to see upsets, even though nobody's man or not man nobody is 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 confident enough in picking an upset, especially if you're like myself that has one bracket that does one bracket a year. You want to see an upset. You want to see a a fifteen beat a ten or two. You want to see a sixteen beat a one. Shouts out to UMBC University of Maryland Baltimore County. You you want to see that. I went into March Madness, and I and I said this last episode, so if you don't believe me, go watch the last episode. I said that there is parity. There's more parity in college basketball now than there's been since I can remember. Every I'm not going to say everyone's on an equal playing field, but a one isn't that much like a, a, a Kansas, even though Kansas did destroy Howard. Kansas isn't that far away from Howard as you think. Just because one is a one and one is a 16, they're not that much further. Just because, you know, Alabama, who's number one, and Maryland, who's number eight, they're not that much far. Now, yes, Alabama probably could probably will beat Maryland, but they're not the talent gap isn't that much isn't that far. Day one of March Madness 
again, showed you why we love Marsh Madness so much. If you would have told me, <laughs> first, let me, let me, let me first, I understand, I know. I I picked Arizona to make it to the national championship. I didn't pick them to win, but I picked them to make it to the national championship. So if you would have told me that Princeton would have would be held to 59 points. If you would have told me that Azala's to Bella, oh, you know what? Side note. I see a lot of people killing me under the comments, especially about my uh, hockey when I was talking about the Bruins. I know I am not good at pronouncing names. I know that I am a thousand. I am. I am fully aware of the, that I have problems pronouncing people's names. I get that. That doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about. It just means I may not be able to really pronounce your name. I, I, that which is why I usually preface it by saying, "I know I messed your name up. I apologize." So get off my back. Get off my back about the names. I know I mispronounced the name. I know it. I know it. Okay. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. But if you would have told me that Arizona held Princeton to fifty-nine points, if you would have told me that. Azula's Tabellis, who is Arizona's probably best player, had 22 points. If you would have told me that Arizona had a 10-point lead at one point in this game, you would have said, oh, Princeton probably got destroyed. The problem is Arizona only scores 55 points. Princeton became the third straight. This is the third straight year that a 15 has beat a two seed. I think last year was Oral Roberts. They beat uh, they beat Kentucky, and I don't remember. And Oral Roberts made it all the way to the Elite Eight, I believe. And I don't remember who the number fifteen seed was, but I know the year before it was Virginia that was the number two seed that got bounced out of here. Um, going into the tournament, Arizona. One of the biggest question marks was Arizona's guards. And one thing that I didn't take into consideration, <laughs> I try to look at people at their best. I know my my ex-girlfriends might not agree with me, but I try to look at people at their best. And I thought to myself, if Arizona's best players play to their ability, or Arizona's players play to the best of their ability, they it will be hard to beat them. Well, <laughs> Arizona's point Arizona's guards, the point like all of their guards were terrible. God awful. Like <laughs> Princeton did everything they were supposed to do, man. Shouts out to Princeton. They 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 earned that win. They were down double digits and they came back and won shouts out to them deserved it shouts out to princeton again day one of march madness really shows you why you love you we love college basketball why we love march madness while yes football is king and everyone loves the college football playoffs while march madness still gets better ratings because 
you want to see upsets. You don't want to see, you know, in college football playoffs, you don't want to see, I mean, you know it's going to be maybe an SEC team, maybe Clemson, maybe a, a dark horse team or something like TCU. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we know it's going to be either Alabama, we know it's going to be Georgia, we know it's going to be Clemson. You know what I'm saying? College basketball. Well, unless you go to like Arizona, unless like I know a couple people that went to Auburn, they're riding riding pretty hard, pretty hard for Auburn right now. Obviously, you know how I feel about North Carolina. Shouts out to the women North Carolina team. I'm I'm hoping that you make it all the way, even though I have South Carolina winning it all. You just want to see an upset. We want to see an upset, and we got that yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry, we got that round one of or day one of the March Madness. There was another upset that I want to highlight, and that was different than the Princeton and Arizona game, and that was number 13, Furman, beating number four, Virginia, 68 to 67. You know why I love basketball so much? You know why basketball is my favorite sport? I'm very vocal in saying that basketball is my favorite sport. Basketball is my first love. Um... Basketball is my favorite sport because it t- it is such a comp. People say it's an easy sport. It's not. It's easy when you grasp it, but it's not an easy sport. For people that think that basketball is just dribbling, shooting, and passing, it's not. Especially organized basketball. You have to understand situation. You have to understand or remember sets you that's why they have films so you know what the other team is going to do there's so much that goes into knowing basketball that if one of them is off like if you forget scouting but everything else is good you can still argue you can still lose if you're great everywhere but you're not good situationally you can still lose you have to be sharp especially in march and especially when everything's on the line, you have to be sharp in every single thing you do. Or you can have a situation happen like which happened, Furman against Virginia. Again, I told you I'm bad at I'm bad at names. But Kahili, Kahili, Kaihee, Clark. Again, I know I probably butchered your name. I apologize, my G. He's a fifth-year senior. He's so, as a fifth-year senior, you understand, you know, you, you've been in the game long enough. You understand things that a freshman probably wouldn't. You see, there was a lot of things that went into Virginia losing this game. And when I say a lot of things, most of those things happen in a span of 10 seconds. In basketball, there's these things called coffin corners or trap corners, depending on what you want to call it. Those are the points of the floor where you do not throw the ball because those areas of the floor is easily trappable. And if you get trapped, it's very difficult to get out of that situation. Virginia throws the ball into the corner right where they inbound in, which is a coffin corner. You throw it to Clark, who, while he is a fifth-year senior, he's like 5'9". 
And Furman did something that was genius. They trapped him with two of their tallest players. Now, Clark should understand situation. Again, I told you, if you're off on the lease, one of if you're off on one thing, it can cost you. Clark was off. Clark and the Virginia team in general was off situationally. They still had a timeout. You call a timeout. You can run a different set. You can try this set again. Something. They were not good situationally. Clark panics and launches the ball. Like, throws that Jonah up to half court. Like, what are you doing? Maybe he thought there was more time left. I don't know. But he lost the jump. Furman gets the ball, passes to their best three-point shooter. Boom. Game over. Virginia's going home. Again, you have to be bright situationally because if you're not, if you're not, it can cost you big time. Like it costs Virginia. Again, do I think Arizona is better than, or do I think Princeton is a better team than Arizona? No. I think if they play 10 times out of 10, Arizona will win at least eight or nine. Do I think that Furman is a better team than Virginia? No. I think if they play 10 times out of 10, Virginia, or they play 10 times in a row, Virginia beat them eight or nine times. But it's not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they had one game, and in that one game, the Princeton, the Princeton Tigers, and the Furman Paladins were the better team. Furman, Furman didn't did everything they were supposed to do for scouting. They hit big shots. They they played the defense that was going to disrupt Virginia the most. And Virginia was not was not good situationally, and you saw what happened. Arizona, your best player plays well, but you don't. Your big man has has a double double, thirteen and twelve, but your guards, your point, your guards combined had was it fifteen points? Actually, that's a lie. Your guards combined had, I think, 10 points. Or, no, 7 points. No, 10 points. So what I'm saying is this. I'm excited to see. I think, again, and I said this last episode, the field is so wide open. I think that there's teams, like, clearly on paper, that are better than other teams. Like I think right now, Duke has is is on is the hottest team in the world right now. But I cannot wait. I, I prayed. I don't pray for a lot of people's downfalls. I don't pray for anyone's downfall. But I really don't want Duke to win. This is my North Carolina fan them coming out. Uh, but you never know. And that's why we love March Madness so much, because you never know. All that on paper, that just, it goes out the window. Because on paper, Princeton should have had no shot beating Arizona. And Furman should have had no shot beating Virginia. Yet we sit here today, and both the Princeton Tigers and the Furman Paladins. What the hell is a Paladin? (laughs) 
the Furman Paladins are now advancing to the second round. And the number two seed, Arizona, and number four seed, Virginia, are going home. I love March Madness, man. Let's move forward. So we know what's happening. It's it's kind of official as to what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Aaron Rodgers has came out. He went on the Pat McAfee show. First of all, shouts out to Pat McAfee. I don't know if people know this, but Pat McAfee is a very big inspiration for me. Now, yes, he went to the league and he had connects after, but what Pat McAfee has done with his show from where it started to where it is now is a, is a huge inspiration to me. You know what I mean? Like that's something that I kind of want to get the unpopular podcast to one day. Uh, I don't, you know, shouts out to him, but Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show and pretty much says since Friday, I told the, you know, I, I intend to play and I intend to play for New York, the jets. And while the deal is not done, because of course, the the Packers are, are trying to get the most that they can for Aaron Rodgers. It's pretty much a done deal, or it's pretty much known that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet next year. Again, it's it's crazy how similar Aaron Rodgers' trajectory and Aaron Rodgers' re- well, not resume, Aaron Rodgers' journey has rivaled that of Brett Favre now again I'm also going to take side note P.S. Brett Favre still did steal from Mississippi welfare recipients stole millions from them and Mississippi is still the most uh the most poverty strucken state in the in the United States and Brett Favre was stealing millions for you know and still ain't been to jail just saying. Let's get back to my regular six program. At least on the football field. It's crazy how Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers' journey looks eerily similar to Brett Favre's, especially when we look at how it ended for Brett Favre in Green Bay and how it ended for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I think we're going to see, we're gonna you're gonna have to see. I don't think Aaron Rodgers well, he maybe does. I don't know. Aaron this I don't think there will ever be more pressure on Aaron Rodgers than there is right now. I, yes, I think Aaron Rodgers will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks, talents we've ever seen. Yes, I understand all the accolades that he accumulated in, in Green Bay, but he's never seen I – don't, I don't think he'll ever have more pressure than he has now. You see, a lot of people think that the Jets – were a quarterback away last year because their defense was so good. They had the rookie of the year both defensively and offensively. They had so they have so much going for them. They have a good they have a good running back and Brees Hall. They have a, a defensive coach. Their defense was good. It's just they felt that their offense did not carry them to where they needed to go. So you already have that expectation. You're going to the AFC. Now while Green Bay was running things in the NFC. Now, yes, last year was a bad, bad year. But you, <laughs> the t- the quarterback talent that you're about to face is a little different. Instead of one one week one weekend, it can be you know Justin Fields. 
Now it's going to be a Patrick Mahomes. Now it's going to be a, a Joe Burrow. Now, of course, we'll have to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, but it can be Lamar Jackson. Of course, now it's going to be Josh Allen. Now it's going to be, you know, Justin Herbert. It's tough. And there's expectation for the first time in a while. There's expectation with the Jets because Aaron Rodgers is going there. Yes, it has everything that that had last year. Of course, it also has Alan Lazard now. But you're getting a four-time MVP. You're getting a quarterback that a lot of people tout as the greatest quarterback talent or greatest talent or throw of the football we've ever seen. There is pressure. And one thing that I know about New York, of course, I'm not a New Yorker, but one thing I do know about New York and the New York media, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the, the Brooklyn Nets, New York media is hard on their athletes. They are tough on their athletes. And Aaron Rodgers, you're going there. You're, you're pretty much touted as the savior going to the Jets. So I'm not saying you got to win a Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is you can't look as bad as you looked a year ago. It's not going to work for you, my, my guy. Now, I don't, of course... I don't think Aaron Rodgers shies away from pressure. I don't think he, you know, they say pressure breaks pipes. I say pressure makes diamonds. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But we do know that it's it's going to be a different year now, which is surprising. You're now going to be like expected the Jets are going to be expected to do things because you have Aaron Rodgers. They're expected to make a deep playoff run. A lot of people expect them to win a Super Bowl. Well, I don't think they win a Super Bowl. You're expect you have to, your level of play has to rise because just the sheer talent that's around you. Look at the talent in their division. You have Josh Allen. You have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Now you have Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. You have uh, Von Miller. You have Stefan Diggs. That's just in their division. Oh, and you have Bill Belichick. That's just their division. That's not the entire conference. That's their division. I'm glad that, well, once it's officially official, I'm glad that we don't, we're not on Aaron Rodgers' watch anymore. Um, yeah, and I... Aaron Rodgers, and one thing I do want to kind of address, one thing that Aaron Rodgers is showing is what player empowerment looks like. A lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers because how he's moving, but Aaron Rodgers is moving solely how he wants to move, which is player empowerment. He said, yo, you want me to come here, this is what you got to do. You got to you gotta try to sign Alan Lazard. You got to try to sign Mercedes Lewis. You got to try to get Odell Beckham Jr. If you do all that, you got me. Or if you do some of that, you got me. That's player empowerment. We talk about, you know, 
looking at situations like Aaron Rodgers, looking at situations like Lamar Jackson, looking at situations like LeBron James, like Kevin Durant, it really shows me that while people scream player empowerment, they don't want player empowerment. Because they only want player empowerment when it benefits their team. I'm not saying everything that Aaron Rodgers is doing is right. But I think that he is moving how he wants to move, which is player empowerment. I'm not saying when LeBron James did the the decision, it was right. But that's player empowerment. That's him taking control of his narrative. And that's him taking control of where the hell he wants to go. I'm not saying that when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, that was the right thing to do. What I'm saying is that's what he wanted to do. And player empowerment is what he did. What Aaron Rodgers is doing right now is player empowerment. He is he is moving. He's dictating his own terms. What Lamar Jackson is trying to do is dictate his own terms. But people don't like that, which really shows me that while people scream for player empowerment, they're not really about it. So I'm excited to see. Again, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? I'm excited to see what he looks, how he looks. It's going to be weird at first, of course, but I'm excited to see what he looks like in a Jets uniform and how how he plays with those weapons, like a Garrett Wilson, and you know, see what happens with Elijah Moore and and stuff like that. So, I'm excited. On the other side of Let's talk about the Ezekiel Elliott situation for a second. Ezekiel Elliott is a prime example of expectations. And it's a prime example of why it's so hard to be a running back in the NFL or in general. Ezekiel Elliott has been one of the best running backs since, what, 2016. However, year after year after year, it can he continues to, de- he's on a decline. I think he had over 11, he's had 1,881 total Attempts. A total. Yeah, attempts. And year after year, I mean, year, year in 2016, he had a total rushing, of course, it's all rushing. He had a total of 1,631 yards. The most, which is the most yards he's had. In 2018, he had 1,434. 2019, 1,357. Even last year, or 2021, he had 1,002. Well, yes, those are 1,000-yard seasons. I don't know if you noticed, but I continue to go down. To now, last year, he had 876 yards. Even his averages, his his carry averages go down 2016 it was 5.1 yards a carry 2022 it was 3.8 Ezekiel Elliott was paid early which is 
and a lot of people were lamenting that contract because again we understand the wear and tear that 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 a a running back receives that's kind of, that's one of the reasons why Le'Veon Bell didn't get the contract he was looking for in Pittsburgh but as we sit here today Ezekiel Elliott has been released or will be released by Dallas so now you ask yourself does he still have it in the tank and you you there's two ways that you can answer that no actually the only way to answer that is is you have to understand what your expectations are Ezekiel Elliott is is one of those physical backs he's one of those backs where He's not the most elusive person. He's not the most shifty person. He is, put your head down, go get you some yards. You see, he, I kind of look at Ezekiel Elliott the same way I look at a player like Cam Newton. While their game is great at its height, when you lose a step, when injuries start piling up, you can't go to the well as much as you want you can't go to the well and and, and get that reserve because it doesn't it just it's not there Ezekiel Elliott has been beat up and while no he he you know he's he last year he played 15 games year before he played 17 but he's still he is a physical back so When you say does does he still have left does he still have something left in the tank? If you're expecting Ezekiel Elliott to be a thousand yard rusher, I don't I don't think that's a, even though he did have eight hundred and seventy six, I don't think he is capable of being a thousand yard rusher. I just think with the wear and tear in his body, I just don't think he has that. But can he be a short down back? Can he be a back, a goal line back? Can he be? You know, a back where if you need two or three yards, if you need maybe a four-yard run, can he give that to you? I think he can still do that, which we saw. I mean, he had 12 touchdowns last year. None of them, however, was was over 40 yards. Mm. Again, when you look at – I look at Ezekiel the same way I look at Cam Newton. At their height – they were great. But once injuries start occurring and once the body breaks down because you depend on your body so much and you depend on your physical attributes, maybe not, I'm not saying they're not skilled, but maybe not talent. Like once Cam Newton's body started going down, that's when you need to start refrain or you're able to like you're able to go. All right. Well, wow, I can't be a runner anymore. I can I can get by with my passing ability. Well, Cam Newton couldn't. And and I love Cam Newton. Cam I think Cam Newton is arguable, but I think he can be a hall I think he can be a hall of famer. But he never developed his 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 accuracy so that when the body started shutting down and he can't he's not as elusive as he was his rookie year or second year. Now he's out of the league. Same thing with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard never really want, never wanted to work on post moves. Never wanted to be the pick and 
pick and pop or pick and roll player. And now Dwight Howard is in Taiwan or whatever. You have to develop or you have once the body goes or it's not as once the, the, the injuries and the wear and tear starts coming down, you you have to hit your second win. And I don't know if Ezekiel Elliott, we, I don't think he's ever going to be a thousand yard rusher again, but I think he can still be a down like a, a one or two yard back. I think he's good at that because he's still he's still huge. So, it's the end of a, the end of the Ezekiel Elliott area, era in in Dallas. So. Also wanted to uh, also wanted to shout out Orlando Brown again. It goes back to player empowerment. Orlando Brown, uh, he just won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's one of the best offensive linemen in in uh, football. And one thing that you know about players, especially players that just won a Super Bowl, that is when it's very hard to keep a Super Bowl team. Just like it's very hard to keep an NBA final NBA championship team because that is when you strike, that's when the iron is height, hot. You strike when you're able to. If you just won a Super Bowl, that is when you try to get another contract because you're the you, you will never, unless you win a Super Bowl again, your stock will never be as high as it is right now. Especially if you were a key part in the Super Bowl, which Orlando Brown was. So he went to Cincinnati. I think that's a huge blow for, um, I think him going to Cincinnati is a huge blow for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's a huge get for for Cincinnati. While Cincinnati, they, they did good. A lot of their offensive linemen were hurt last year, and they did good until they saw Kansas City Chiefs. And you saw the impact that Orlando Brown had when we talk about, of course, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So I did want to shout it out. Shouts out to him. He was able to get what he got. You know, he was able to get the money that he wanted, and he didn't want to take – you see that a lot. They – once the Super Bowl happens, you're gonna have to take less if you want to stay at the Super Bowl team. Maybe unless you're just like Patrick Mahomes or something. And shouts out to him. Shouts out to Orlando Brown for going to the Bengals. I think that's a huge get for the Bengals. I think that's a pretty big loss for uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs. Now I know the Kansas City Chiefs did get one of the offensive linemen, I believe, from Philly and like other offensive linemen, but you know we'll see. Also, I want to talk about Darren Waller. Um, Darren Waller gets traded. This happened when I dropped the episode on Tuesday. Oh, no, on Wednesday. Oh, I think it happened Tuesday. Darren Waller was traded to the the Giants. I think this I doesn't I, I think that's a big get for the Giants. You get one of the premier tight ends in the league. Uh I just I don't think again, Daniel Jones. And that that Daniel Jones contract is starting to look worse and worse by the day. Like, you think Daniel Jones is worth that much money? No, forty million a year. Come on, bro. No, but shouts out to Daniel Jones. I mean, you you get another piece in Darren Waller. I just don't think that makes him a Super Bowl team. Uh, and it takes yet another piece away from Jimmy G. <laughs> so now they did get uh uh Jacoby Myers, I believe, from the Patriots. But 
I mean, you lose Darren Waller or you trade Darren Waller. So I guess shouts out to the Giants for getting Darren and it's unfortunate for the, well, they, they traded him. So I guess they didn't mind. So yeah. I don't have much. I'm going to talk about it, but I don't have much to say uh, when it comes to Darren Waller. Uh, I mean, not Darren Waller, John Morant. I, I, John Morant went to ther or went to counseling or therapy. He went to re- no rehab center for two days, pretty much. Um, I just hope. I hope he. Cha- I mean, he got an eight game total suspension, so I know he'll be back next week or in a couple days. I just hope that. John Moran has changed. And I hope he understands what he's doing is is dangerous. Very dangerous. And or what he was doing. Hopefully he doesn't do it anymore. And 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 what the the people that are surrounding him, maybe reevaluate that too. Cause one thing that I've always been told, and one thing that I even said is every every decision comes with a consequence. Whether the consequence is good, whether it's bad, every situation comes with a consequence. Or every decision comes with a consequence. And once you make that decision, you have to live with whatever consequence comes with it. And a lot of the decisions that he was making has some... Uh, unfavorable consequences if they would have went a different way and i thank god they did he's still a young man he has a lot of money um he has a family i just i I hope he understands what's in front of him instead of what's behind him because what's behind him has a lot of doesn't have to have a lot of bearing on what's in front of him. So, yeah. Let's move forward. I did an episode a couple days ago, or a couple episodes ago, about Nikola Jokic. And I said that he is one of the most skilled big men or he is the most skilled big man we've ever seen. And I think if he wins a super or if he wins a, a, a his third straight MVP, he is well-deserved. I didn't, I never said that, you know, he's just leaps and bounds better than everybody else in the MVP. Let me let me let me cut to the chase. Um as we sit here today, Joel Embiid is now I think tied with Nicole Jokic as far as MVP favorites. Uh Denver just went on like a four game losing streak even though they did just win the, uh maybe a couple nights ago. And Joel Embiid has been hot this entire time. The di- the question is, what is the difference between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic? Both of them have things and and have f- 
accolades or no have features, I guess you can say, that the other one doesn't. For instance, one thing that we talk about a lot when we talk about Nicole Jokic is his ability to pass the ball and his ability to be a floor general at the center position. We don't see that too often. You actually very rarely ever see that. And he also he's also really good offensively. I mean, again, he he's averaging a triple-double. And he averaged damn near, what, 26, 27 points a game. That is Joel, I mean, Nikola Jokic. And one thing that a lot of voters like, especially when they're voting for MVP, is where your standing is in your division or in your conference. And the Nuggets are number one in the Western Conference. But one thing that Joel Embiid has that Nikola Jokic doesn't is on the other side of the ball. Joel Embiid is a very good defensive player. He's a very good rim protector. Very good rim protector. Joel Embiid actually is one of the best rim protectors in, in, in basketball. He's also one of the best scorers in basketball. I think current, in fact, let me see. Let me see where he stands right now Joel Embiid yeah right now Joel Embiid leads the league in in scoring at 33.5 points a game Mm, mm, mm. and if that has happened he'll be this will be the second year in a row I think he leads the league in scoring so we already know that Joel Embiid is a better scorer than uh, Nikola Jokic and he's a better defender even though Nikola Jokic is second in the league in, in rebounds I think this I think if Joel Embiid I mean I think if Nikola Jokic wins the MVP it's well deserved I think if Joel Embiid wins the MVP is well deserved Hell, I even throw in a third name. I think if Giannis Antetokounmpo wins the MVP, it's well-deserved. Again, basketball, we are seeing something that we've never seen. One, we've never seen the top three players in the NBA, like the top three best players in the NBA, all be foreign. And while, yes... I'm not taking away from how great LeBron James is. I'm not taking away from how great Steph Curry is. He did just have a 50 bird the other day. Uh, I'm not taking away how great Kevin Durant is when he's on the floor. But the top three players that we're kind of seeing right now, or let's see, in the MVP race are all foreign. Hell, top four players. Because you can even say uh, Lucas. The league is changing. And while, of course, you had the era where it was nothing but mid-range. Oh, no, actually nothing but, you know, get big and, and, and build around the big. And that, then it was the mid-range. Then it was, of course, the the three-point. Now now it's, it's, it's the foreign players. The league, the, the world has caught up to the NBA. 
And if you don't believe me, look at the MVP race. If you want to know who I think... Mm, I understand why people think Joel Embiid should win the MVP. And and I'm not saying they're wrong. Again, basketball is is not just one side of the ball. And Joel Embiid is, is drastically better than Nicole Jokic when we talk about defense. And he's also leading the league in scoring, which I think, again, <laughs> which I, I, you know, come on now. You, a center, again, last year was, was, yeah, last year he led the league in scoring. I think this would be the first year ever. I could be wrong, but I think this would be the first year ever if he leads the league in scoring. This would be the first year or he'll be the first center to ever lead the league in scoring two years in a row. Oh no, maybe Kareem and him. But I get it. I get it. Joel Embiid is is Joel Embiid. He's been tough. He's been tough. And shoot, he's been going crazy. <laughs> Again, he averaged thirty. I didn't realize he averaged thirty three and a half points. And what? How many did he? How many rebounds did he average? And he averages ten rebounds a game. How many blocks does he average? Uh, he averages one steal a game. Pretty much two blocks a game. 1.7. I'm rounding up. So, yeah, ooh. Nikola Jokic has 27 triple doubles? Joel Embiid has 34. He has one triple double. Joel Embiid has 34 triple doubles. Or double doubles. I'm sorry. Again, man, I... I Right now, I don't know who I'm, I think I'll probably because of the the four game skid and because of maybe both sides of the ball, I might lean towards uh, Joel Embiid, but I wouldn't be shocked if either one won. But I get why either one would win, which is to me, it's a two man race. Maybe Giannis is kind of because Giannis right now averaging. 31 points a game, uh, 12 rebounds. Damn, he's also averaging, is that, how many, that man is averaging, is, is he second in the league in turnovers? That man is second in the league in averaging four turnovers a game, Jesus. I'm sorry, Giannis, I didn't mean to blast you like that. All right, let's move forward. So we, as sports fans, were presented with a situation that you don't see too often. Edwin Diaz, who is who was well, he is currently a pitcher for the Met for the Mets, a very good pitcher actually. He was playing in the World Series, or yeah, World Series for the what for for Puerto Rico, going against the Dominican Republic. They won. Again, uh, the I think Puerto Rico won, and they were celebrating. And then he hurt himself. When I when I say hurt himself, 
he had to have surgery for uh I think he like tore his ACL or something. So now he'll be out for the season. And it sparked a conversation, it sparked a debate. Should we let athletes that's getting paid by an, an organization, getting paid by a team, should we let athletes do extracurricular or play for a team that's not your team that's making or that's not paying you? For instance, this this conversation was also sparked with Paul George when Paul George played for Team USA. And, of course, we know about the gruesome injury. And they were like, should we continue to send basketball like top tier bat or should we continue to send NBA players to do the Olympics we also saw that with Chet Holmgren Chet Chet Holmgren was playing for the Drew League playing in the Drew League and and broke his foot playing against LeBron James in the Drew League broke his foot out for the entire season for OKC here's what I'll say about this situation the Edwin Diaz situation Kind of like the World Cup. Sports means something different to for for different countries. Like, I'm sure soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, is bigger in Brazil, especially men's, is bigger in Brazil than it is in the United States. Baseball is bigger in Puerto Rico than it is in 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 probably the United States. What I mean is this. I understand it's a very unfortunate situation that Edwin Diaz is now going to miss the, the pretty much the entire season um because of this injury for the Mets and I understand that you can add to the narrative that this is yet another uh unfortunate situation for the Mets. But you're it's 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 hard for me to 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 say now, well, you can't allow these players to play in these games because the World Series for Puerto Rico, for the Dominican Republic, is 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 huge. Like he has a torn pectoral tendon. Pectellar, pectellar tendon. What the world? A torn pectoral tendon. And it'll be out for the season. I think it's 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 going to be tough. Now, you could, and I think that, but that you could, when he goes to the next CBA and just be like, yo, they can't play because you see this, 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 and this. But, you know, I don't I, I I don't know. I I think it's going to be hard for you to say, you know, X player can't play in the World Series because cuz you don't understand how big it will be for said player. Cuz it's different like again, it's it's different for different different players. And it's unfortunate. I think this is a huge blow for the Mets. But if you ask someone like Edwin Diaz, I'm almost sure, I'm not going to speak for him, but I'm almost sure for some people, winning a World Series for your country is more important than winning uh, Stanley or winning a, a World Series.
Now, I'm not saying you sacrifice your injury because if you're getting paid millions of dollars, then hopefully you, you report to your team. But it's I hear a lot of people saying you you you're not you can't let them play like what? Now I think if you want to play play now this could deter some people from playing which I understand but allow them to have that dis, uh, that opportunity to make a decision don't just make the decision for them you know so but I I do pray for Edwin. Diaz, I hope that he has a speed. Well, hope he has a speedy recovery. I hope the surgery goes well, and I hope that he's able to be one hundred percent because he is a very important part for the Mets. Very important uh, part for the Mets as far as trying to reach their ultimate goal, which of course is the World Series. So, yeah. Uh, lastly, before we go, again, I'm gonna I'm continuing my. Every episode, I'm highlighting a a woman, and of course, you knew this was coming. I'm going to highlight the greatest tennis player of all time, arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time, arguably one of the most important athletes in all, of all time, and that is Serena Williams. Serena Williams has a career record of 858 and 156, which is 84.6%. Uh, she has won the Australian Open one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, seven times. She's won the French Open three times. She's won Wimbledon one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. She won the U.S. Open one, two, three, four, five, six times. In doubles with with her sister. She's won the Australian Open one, two, three, four times. She's won a uh, French Open one, two times. She's won Wimbledon one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six times. And she won the U.S. Open two times. She also has a gold medal as uh, one, a gold medal in doubles in Sydney, gold medal in Beijing, gold medal in London, uh, two gold medals in London. She also didn't she win a world didn't she win a US Open pregnant? When we talk about sports, you know, one of the debates is who is the greatest athlete. You hear that a lot. Uh you hear about Michael Jordan, you hear about LeBron James, you hear about Michael Phelps, you hear about Floyd Mayweather. You also hear about Serena Williams. Again, I think Serena Williams is one of the most important and one of the, one of the most the one of the best athletes we've ever seen one of the most accomplished athletes we've ever seen i will never understand obviously how it is to be a woman i'll never understand the pressures that it is to be a woman in a field that's that's been dominated by men you know like i never understand i'll never understand that pressure but i do understand that what Serena Williams has done is she has become the face, in my opinion, she's become the face of tennis. And I don't mean women's tennis. I'm, when you think of basketball, I think the face of basketball is, is pretty much Michael Jordan or LeBron James. When we talk about football, the face of football is probably Tom Brady. Like when you think football, you think Tom Brady. When you think basketball, you think either Michael Jordan or LeBron James. When you think tennis, you think of Serena Williams. 
And this is a person you're talking. You're coming from a person that grew up loving Roger Federer. But what Serena Williams has done, not only for tennis but for sports, has been seismic. I I understand that she's had she's had controversy that she hasn't even put in herself. Mostly the media has put the controversy on her. Talking about you know, you know the angry black woman narrative and and you know the 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 outburst or whatever. But when we talk about tennis, there's one name that comes to mind. I don't care how great uh, uh, Nadal has been. And let me not say I don't care. But Nadal has been great. Roger Federer has been great. Uh, Djokovic has been great. Of course, you have some of the legends like Arthur Ashe. You know, we know about some greats. Roy McIlroy. You know, that's a. Yeah, that's tennis. But when you think of tennis, you think of Serena Williams. Serena Williams is one of the most decorated tennis players. She she was ranked number one for 319 weeks. I don't know if you uh I don't know if you know, you know, numbers and stuff, but there's 52 weeks in a in a year. And she was ranked number one by the Women's Tennis Association for 319 weeks. Including a joint record of 186 consecutive weeks. She's won 23 Grand Slam single titles. The most by any player in open era. And the second most all time. She's the only player, male or female, to accomplish a career grand slam in both singles and doubles. And and also shouts out to Serena. I mean, no, Venus. Even Serena Williams said it. Uh, there's no Venus without, or there's no Serena without Venus. Venus was th- the one before Serena. But the woman that I am highlighting today is Serena Williams the greatest tennis player of all time and arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time hands down no questions asked I mean she won uh, uh, she won I think it was a US Open she she won that joint pregnant bro and I and, and that's one of those one of those moments when uh, her last game unfortunately she lost but you you'll remember that run that she made and 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 she even look at her imprint. Of course, you have like Coco Golf, you have Naomi Osaka, Stevens, like Serena Williams is her imp- impact is felt everywhere when we talk about the sports world. Hell, even uh, Tiafo came back and said one of his inspirations is Serena Williams. So the woman again, happy women's month and the woman that i'm highlighting for this episode is serena williams and there you have it that has been today's episode of the unpopular podcast i completely appreciate you guys if you want a popular podcast shirt hoodie sweater long sleeve joggers the link is in the description below i have multiple different colors multiple different designs get your unpopular podcast merch today i definitely definitely appreciate it whatever you're looking for i got you just click the link click the you know i got multiple colors just click the link 
Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. I think I just hit 600 subscribers, which is crazy because two weeks ago, I just hit 500, which was huge. Um, I appreciate everyone that's that's supporting me and, and that's following uh, the episodes and, and everything. It, it, it means a lot that people actually care what I got to say. Uh, <laughs> it means a whole lot. And I'm trying to continue to grow the podcast. I can't do it without you guys. So tell a friend to tell a friend. If you see a reel or if you see a short, if you see a TikTok, subscribe. Or if you like what you see, uh, subscribe. It definitely means a lot. Um, and until next time, much love.